Alrighty, hello Canada and baseball fans in the U.S., in Mexico, in Croatia, Jamaica, Belgium. We don't discriminate here. Uh, it is Backflips and Maple Dips episode 6. Uh, we are talking a lot about the All-Star game today. We're talking about the week that was in Blue Jay baseball. We're talking about some snubs. Of course, we've got the rant coming up, which, surprise, surprise, is about snubs. Uh, we got a bunch of fun stuff today. Uh, to my left in Saskatoon right now, we have the man, the myth, Justin, Justin Anderson, uh, out in the Maritimes. Uh, we have the Ma Maritimes mistress maker, actually. We have Patrick Marsh. So uh, my name's Clayton Croker. We are the dream team. Uh, also, shameless plug time, we're on Facebook, facebook.com slash batflipsmapledips. We're on Twitter, at BFMD, all capitalized podcast. SoundCloud, check us out there, uh, soundcloud.com slash batflips-mapledips. You can also find us on iTunes and Google Play Music. Now that all the serious stuff is out of the way, yeah. uh, let's get down to business here, boys. Um, the week that was for the Jays, we split with the Mets. I think we all saw that coming because the Jays and the Mets... They're pretty much the exact same baseball team. Monster uh, fires. Yeah, it's it's wild. <laughs> uh, what did you guys think about that uh, big comeback win? Um, yeah, I know. I, I was sitting <laughs> in the umpire change room waiting for our game to start, and we were just like, "Oh God, here we go again." Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, these runs start pouring in. And then we had to go into the diamond. We came back. Like, Gee, what would happen? We were all we were checking the score. And I was like, wow, we won. Yeah. Like it was one of those things where I wish I would have been there to see it because. I watched the highlights and it looked like a lot of fun, mm -hmm. and we haven't had too much of that. No, in terms of zero big fun. comebacks like that this season. So that's that's always fun to see when you get some you get some dingers and everyone kind of chipped in. Um, like Granderson had a couple of hits too, so mm -hmm. that's always good to see everybody kind of pacing the offense. And then uh, I think Axford had a good outing there too, and uh, big Tyler Clippard with the big save. Good your, for him. Your favorite guy. It's about <laughs> fucking time. Uh, Patrick, what did you think about the bullpen after that Estrada injury? Because, I mean, we're pretty tough on the uh, Jays' bullpen, but after Estrada left, they really they really shut the door. Other than Axford and Clipper, did you see anyone else who really impressed you? Or? Uh, I mean, like, in general, for the for the week, the, the bullpen, I was pleased with the performance because I expect so little at this point. <laughs> And good news is that this week, since Ryan Tapera was injured, we're not going to talk about Ryan Tapera. We're going to talk about the Axeman, and we're going to talk about Sengwon O, and we're going to talk about all these other guys. I don't even know what their first names are. Santos, Cruz, some guy, Aaron Loop, whatever. They were, <laughs> they were great this week. <laughs> I was really happy with the bullpen. I, I can't say enough positive things about them. Uh, but we'll get to the part where... Uh, I think Clipper blew a save and was shitty in a different one. So uh, it's up, it's down. I, I thought the Axeman was great this week. So he gets he gets a sorry from me for being being good. After that win, uh, the up and down week that was for the Jays continued. Uh, Strowman didn't look great in that 6-3 loss. Uh, four and two-thirds inning pitched. Walking four. Walking was never really a big issue for him in the past. He was mm -hmm. usually pretty good when limiting his walks. Not the best, yeah. but not the worst. Um, what do you think is the reason uh, he's walking so many batters? Is it not uh, getting up early in the count? Is it just location? Is it mental? Or, um, Well, I actually I got to watch that game. Um, and there were some, some ground balls that just seemed to sneak through the infield too in those six hits that he gave up. The walks were an issue. Um, he was being a little bit too careful with the Yankees. I, mean, I don't blame the guy. The Yankees have one of the most dangerous lineups in all of baseball. Mm -hmm. uh, and it was the first time that we, we had saw him in his 
previous few starts off the DL not walk batters. So I, I'm I'm hoping it's just a momentary blip. I mean, he's he's still getting over 62% ground balls on the season, which mm-hmm. is very elite, and it's Marcus Stroman-like. So, I mean, um, I'm not too worried about him overall. I, I I do believe this is just kind of one of those blips, and we'll see tonight as he's taking the mound as we speak um, in Atlanta. So we'll see what's happening there. How many more blips can Marcus Stroman get, though? Because it seems like he's had about seven blips this well, season. Well, there's a lot of blips on a radar. A lot of blips on a radar. <laughs> That's a very, very good point. Um, in that series, Patrick, did you uh, like what Guriel did? I mean, obviously with the home run, but the uh, two RBIs, his average is getting up. Uh, did you see him kind of turn a corner in that series with the Mets? Yeah, I don't want to see him go back down to the minors no, again this season. No I, I want to see him stick to the bench um, or start regularly. There's He's got nothing left to learn down there. No. He's clearly got the ability to, to drive home runs when they're in scoring position, and that's something uh, that a lot of the hitters in the Jays lineup do not have the ability to do, whether it's Pilar or whoever. Um, they just seem to struggle with that with that particular stat in that scenario. So I, I like Gurriel to, uh, to stay up the rest of the year. Uh, and please, please don't send him back down. He's got <laughs> nothing left to learn. Yeah, agreed. So after that loss to the Mets, yeah. uh, classic Jays, they look like they rebound and they've turned a corner with that 6-2 win. Um, after the game, the analysts were talking about uh, Justin Smoke because he went 2-3 for three with a homer. He had three RBIs. He had a really good game. And uh, the analysts were like, I'm really shocked that Smoke isn't doing this on a consistent basis when you look at his year last year. Were you, are you guys surprised that Justin Smoke isn't having the year that he was last year? I think we all expected that he wasn't going to be as good. But the analysts were making it think like, oh, man, this is a shocker. Are you guys really shocked that um, Smoke's not really in all-star form? Y- yes and no. I mean, Smoke had a great season last year. He also had a little bit more insulation in the lineup, hitting near Jose Bautista, who even though he wasn't hitting, was still drawing a ton of walks and getting on base. Mm-hmm. And and also Josh Donaldson was in there for a lot of the time, whereas Smoke hasn't had either of those two guys this year. The biggest power threat he's had in the lineup has been Yang Hervis Salarte, who isn't really a traditional power threat, yeah. even though he's been showcasing a bit of that this year. Um, so, so I think it's kind of a um, a recipe of a little bit, a few different things. where we've, we've seen Smoke play very well of late i believe he's actually hitting 316 so far this month 318 in july um and he's walking a lot uh 15.3 of his at bats are walks right Mm. now which is about the the same as russell martin um who's yeah 16.9 i i definitely like agree like the we we expected some form of regression Mm -hmm. from justin smoke but if you take a very close look at the numbers He's on pace to get more walks than what he had last year. Uh, he'll probably have a higher strikeout total. Yeah. Um, but the OBP is still there. Um, the OPS is still there. Um, he's on pace to ground into less double plays. He's just like, it's the contact that he is making isn't as ferocious as what it was last year. So... A lot of a lot of those balls that were home runs last year are just pop ups to the yeah. warning track. So like I think it'll balance itself out and he'll get back to fighting form by I would say like August or September, like kind of around the end of the year when 
all is said and done. And he's going to be a really cheap contract to bring back. I think he can all cap out at like eight or nine million, and it's a team option. Yeah. So if they're even if they're too cheap to bring him back, <laughs> um, you know. Yeah, I I think uh, I think if if he's not traded, we're going to bring him back. I don't mm-hmm. see any reason why we don't have Justin Smoke. We don't have a first baseman in our organization who is ready to take over that role as the everyday starter. And I mean, you know, the switch hitter never hurts to have. He can hit for power from both sides of the plate. And, he's, and, he, we, and we're going to need some veteran leadership on this team next season. Um, with that being said, I, I do believe that Smoke will draw some interest at the deadline if he can keep his numbers anywhere near where they are this month. Teams may look at him as somebody who's heating up um, if there's any injuries that occur before that deadline, he could be a prime candidate that teams will come after. And that wouldn't surprise me to see Smoke move because he does have that affordable team option for mm. next season. And even if somebody trades for him and they have an all-star first baseman already, that's going to be missed. Say they're missing the remainder of the season or have, God forbid someone gets hurt. Mm-hmm. They don't have to bring him back next season. They can just decline the option and buy it out for a cheap, cheap sum and move, move on with their lives kind of thing. All right, enough on Justin Smoke because with the year he's having, he doesn't deserve this much airtime. Uh, let's talk about the two <laughs> losses to the Yankees because, again, classic Jays. They look like they've turned a corner and then they lose two in a row. And then mm-hmm. also classic Yankees. They look vulnerable and then, boom, they don't look so vulnerable. Yeah. Uh, Jay Happ got beat up in that showcase start. Uh, he was gone by the third <laughs> inning, which, That's again, great. huge kick to the balls there for us. I mean, not because we lost the game, but because we really want a lot in return for Happ. He's our big <laughs> trade guy. Uh, the loss in extra innings whatever the Jays played pretty good in that game uh Baraki was pretty good again seven innings pitched uh only pretty one good. run two walks five strikeouts he's been great he's been um, awesome those two losses though let's just chalk that up as hey the Jays played well uh mm-hmm. they had a lot of dingers in that eight five loss um the two to one loss they just couldn't get it going but against a team like New York uh Patrick are you happy with those two losses considering how bad the Jays have been so far this year would you consider those losses wins against a team like the Yankees uh, the eight to five loss was certainly a uh, somewhat of a strategic victory because the bullpen uh, w- combined Patricka, Santos, Luke Cruz, and Axford only gave up one run in six and a third mm-hmm. innings of relief, and they struck out seven Yankee batters, and they scattered five hits across those innings. So once Hap had gotten absolutely clobbered by the Yankees lineup. Uh, the game got really quiet, and it started to turn in the favor of the Jays. They just could not get anybody on base when it mattered, and when it didn't matter and there was nobody on base, all the guys we usually crap on went yard. Yeah. So, I mean. <laughs> well, you guys <laughs> crap on Kevin Jays. Pilar. I never crap on Kevin Pilar. You guys crap on Kevin Pilar. That's true. But, I mean, <laughs> Gritch Daddy went yard. Gritch Diaz Daddy. went yard. Pilar Uh, Did have a two-run bomb, and I think he had three RBIs in the game. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, it was good to see him get RBIs, even if it was in a game that essentially became meaningless thanks to Jay Happ absolutely (laughs) pooping his pants uh, out on the the diamond. So this week we got Atlanta, um, who we're playing right now, and tomorrow, and then we head to Fenway for a four-game series against the Sox. Uh, Then it's the All-Star break. Um, We don't play... 
as bad in Fenway as we do at the Trop, but we certainly play pretty bad in Fenway. Uh, do you see the Jays playing spoiler at all in that series, maybe wrecking the uh, Red Sox momentum going into the All-Star break, or do you see him kind of being just kind of... Well, I'm, I'm looking at Jay Happ and David Price are slotted in to start the opening oh, opener of that fun. series, I believe. And they're both carrying identical 4.44 ERAs, if I'm not mistaken at this point. Mm-hmm. I was looking this morning. Wow. That was pretty cool. Um, and we've talked a few different times about how Boston has struggles against left-handed pitching. So if J-Hab's going to recoup any of the trade value that these last two starts have cost him, that's going to be the one that the Yankees and the Mariners are watching with great interest to see what he can do against that Boston lineup. Patrick, do you think um, the Jays have any chance against the Red Sox this series? Do you see them taking one, two? I'm probably not going to go over two because there's no way they take the series. But uh, what do you think they're going to do here? <laughs> if we go better than two and four this week, that would be this team working tremendously well. Yeah, I see two. I see two and four. I think the Hap start will be. He'll want to come back big time after getting rocked by the Yankees. And this is another like big start, big opportunity for him to sort of showcase what he's got. And it's because it's against the Red Sox. This is the perfect game rather than the one against the Yankees for him to go out, absolutely shut them down and really add value to his trade value because he's probably going to the Yankees or Seattle. Yeah. So like I I see either 2 and 4 or 3 and 3. If we took the series off the Red Sox, I would be shocked and amazed and I wouldn't say you know, I'd say sorry to the whole team for not <laughs> believing in them if they did that. And let's not even bring that up because it's not going to happen. Let's be real here. Yeah. Um I'm calling it right now. We're sweeping Atlanta in Atlanta. And then we're getting swept by the Sox. Because, again, theme, <laughs> of this, theme of this podcast so far has been classic Jays. Jays will get our hopes up against Atlanta. Everyone will be like, oh, man, we can compete oh, with the no. Sox. We're getting good. You know we're playing. Spoiler. And then they'll just shit the bed yeah. because that's what the Jays do. Uh, let's start talking about uh, the All-Star break here because uh, Jay Happ, a uh, big slow clap for you on being the least worst Jay this year. Woo. Least worst. Awesome. It's kind of like a trophy. It's kind of like back in the day when they would just give the Jays like a mercy All-Star every single year. They do. They, that's what they this is. this is that's what this is because yeah. there's no way Jay Hat makes it over some of the pitchers. Uh, Ted Lilly got a mercy invite oh, yeah. to the All Star game. Remember I remember that. a few yeah. years ago, uh, a few years ago, I guess. When was the last time Ted Lilly pitched for the like Jays? Ten years ago now. Uh, I can't even remember a couple of other mercy ones that were on there. B.J. Ryan, I believe, got a mercy All Star game. That might have been his 50 savior though. So, um, but the All Star game, we're going to be talking about the snubs and uh, maybe some players who shouldn't be on the list as well. But uh, First, the rant, which is all about the MLB All-Star Game. So, um, the Maritimes Mistress Maker, um, you are no longer on deck. You're in the batter's box. You're up, bud. All right. So, this week's rant is all about the MLB All-Star Game, but it's actually not just about uh, snubs. It's actually about the whole purpose of the game, uh, why it exists, um, where it started, when it started, and, of course... Uh, where it's gone since then, and how the game currently has nowhere near the same amount of meaning it used to. So without further ado, we are going to start off this week with a little bit of a history lesson. Uh, Many of you may already know the origins of the MLB All-Star Game, but for those of you who aren't familiar with its history, I just want to take a little bit of time and just talk about the first uh, couple of All-Star Games and talk about how the game came to be. 
So we're going to start off with the first ever unofficial All-Star game for MLB. It took place 107 years ago on July 24th, 1911 at Cleveland's League Park. Of course, you all know that that park no longer exists as it was closed down in 1946. Uh, the game, which was also known as the Addy Joss Benefit Game, was played between the Cleveland Naps and the American League All-Stars, uh, where the All-Stars were able to win the game 5-3. to three. At the time, Addy Joss was one of the most popular players in baseball, especially amongst his peers, and his death in April of 1911 devastated the baseball community. While he only played for nine seasons in MLB, uh, many of which had been shortened because of illness, Joss was elected to the uh, Baseball Hall of Fame in 1978 by the Veterans Committee, uh, who chose to waive the 10-year minimum requirement for playing careers. That's how popular and successful Addy Joss was during his playing career. As for the game itself, it was attended by some of the all-time greats of MLB's earliest eras. So uh, players like Walter Johnson, uh, Tris Speaker, and Smokey Joe Wood were all all there is the game raised a modern-day equivalent of $341,000 to help the Joss family with remaining medical bills after their son-slash-father-slash-brother, etc. had passed away. So fast forward 22 years later, and the first official MLB All-Star game was held in Chicago, Illinois, on July 6th during the 1933 World's Fair, which was taking place in Chicago during the city's centennial. It was held at Comiskey Park, and the game featured a bunch of Hall of Famers like Frankie Frisch, uh, the Screwball King, Carl Hubble, Lou Gehrig, Lefty Grove, Jimmy Fox, Tony Lazari, and of course, the great Bambino himself was there. The two teams were managed by John McGraw and Connie Mack, who were longtime managers in the AL and the NL, uh, and the game was a 4-2 American League win that was capped off by, of course, a home run by Babe Ruth. From then on until the present day, the Midsummer Classic has become a staple of the baseball season. The format has changed uh, quite a bit actually over the years with fan voting being introduced in 1947 uh, and then being taken away after a 1957 effort by Cincinnati Reds fans to stuff the ballot uh, and although they were able to get like seven all-stars i uh, proved there was a limitation in fan voting we'll talk a little bit about that after the ran is over uh, so fan voting went away then it came back and from 2003 until last year it was decided that the league that won the game would receive home field advantage in the world series in october so it finally gave the the game a little bit more meaning but that's been since abolished uh, and while this modification kind of helped add meaning to the game uh, and it kept television ratings from tanking, um, this wasn't actually the first time some sort of gimmick or stipulation was brought on to help bolster, bolster the meaning of the game. In 1985, they brought in the Home Run Derby, and now it's more popular than the game itself. Uh, in 1999, they brought in the Futures game to give younger prospects and players a chance to shine. And, of course, that absolute dog turd of a game the celebrity softball game was added in 2001 to try to add some kind of luster to the proceedings so with all these gimmick changes to the all-star game over the years uh, one has to wonder whether or not mlb has found a way to add meaning 
to an otherwise meaningless game. Now that home field advantage goes to the league whose champion has the better record, what value is there for an individual player to bother playing in the game? Is it worth you know, cutting into the only real break in the season to show up and play in a game that you're not even really paid for? Is it worth risking injury to placate fans? Does MLB even have a policy in place to prevent players from passing on the game? How can a player's interests be balanced with the interests of the paying fan? These are all sorts of questions that come up when it comes to thinking about the all-star game. So with all these questions kind of floating around in 2018, what's the solution to giving the MLB all-star game meaning again? And the answer, of course, can be found in history lesson that I just gave you going all the way back to 1911 and the story of Addie Joss. During that time, a popular baseball player died and his family were suffering with expenses. Players and managers teamed up to play for a very specific charity. It was extremely successful and saved a family from financial ruin. Baseball should do this again, although it should take up a cause that's a little less specific than one particular family's suffering. There's an enormous number of charity causes that baseball could donate all-star game profits towards. What about the perpetually underfunded veterans of the American Armed Forces? You guys know that almost every year they celebrate the Armed Forces in one way or another during the season, and the All-Star Game would be a perfect opportunity to kind of go that much further to kind of prove that they're behind the veterans of the American Armed Forces when it comes to offering them some sort of thanks for what they do. Uh, they could also offer up uh, profits for hurricane relief victims, uh, or what about the people who, you know, don't have clean drinking water in Flint, Michigan after, you know, a few years running here, or Puerto Rico, who mostly doesn't have power and clean drinking water yet. If you want something even more politically charged, what about donating the money towards the homeless or low-income working class in America? There's an endless number of possibilities with the All-Star Game, but as it stands... Uh, the game's meaning and weight has all been all but stripped away, and the only purpose uh, for its existence now is just to perpetuate tradition, which is something that Americans are extremely fond of, rightfully so. But why not give back uh, some sort of meaning and purpose to the all-star break? Imagine how much good this could do for struggling Americans. And also the continuously struggling reputation of Major League Baseball. And remember, one final thought, for every good deed baseball is capable of, it's always another lockout or steroid controversy away from falling further behind the other major sports, even further than it already is. So what do you guys think? I will say that it wouldn't be the MLB All-Star Game without it being completely pointless. So I don't like your points because you're trying to ruin the MLB All-Star Game. That's what the MLB All-Star Game is all about, being pointless, getting excited for the home run derby, and then watching the first two innings of the game and realizing, oh, this isn't that fun to watch. That's just what the All-Star Game is. Um, the thing about doing stuff for charity when it comes to all-star games and stuff like that and again it's all great and it's really really good they should definitely hop on board but 
leagues like MLB and specifically like I work at a radio station and sometimes when radio stations and media, they hop on a charity and they uh, do really, really, again, they do really, really good things. They raise a lot of money, but it almost seems like they're doing it for their own selfish reasons. Like they've had a controversy in the past and then they're trying to donate to a charity just to kind of further their image. I think that's really greasy when corporations do that. Uh, Cameco here in Saskatchewan, uh, they've kind of done that a little bit with um, just like, okay, they had like that mind safety thing, okay, but then they go out like the next week and they're like, hey, but no, look how good we are, you know, like we're donating charity. I'm not saying the charity aspect is a bad part of it at all. I just think MLB has to kind of be careful of how they they image themselves with charities because it could look yeah. just as like, hey, we're just doing this because our all-star game sucks. Yeah, we, we see the MLB do a lot of cool things like with the uh, breast cancer awareness where they do the pink yeah. hats, pink gloves for Mother's mm-hmm. Day. And then also they do like the stand up to cancer games and that kind of thing too. Um, and obviously the armed forces around Canada Day and Independence Day, they do the big jerseys and all that fun stuff. Uh, I, I do think that attaching some sort of charity to the All-Star game isn't a bad idea. I mean, as Patrick said at the end there, there's always another controversy happening. We could think of it closer to home with the Riddle Asuna's mm-hmm. domestic abuse, and there have been other cases in the past of players who have been in trouble with the law, or even um, uh, Jose Fernandez who, who passed away. Mm-hmm. He was impaired at the time kind of thing. Um, there's there's definitely things that MLB can do to, um, I guess, encourage uh, positive thinking and to and, and do donating anything to a charity it always kind of brings that um, sort of feel good story. Yeah. Uh, so I, I I kind of agree with Patrick here that that it's it's in its current state it's now pointless. I did not like how the All Star Game determined home field of the World Series. That's just archaic and. You, you could you could have the wild card team from from a league play the first place team of the other league and have home field advantage because mm-hmm. because their league won the All Star game. It doesn't make much sense to penalize a team that for making it to the World Series by losing out on on an advantage that they they should rightfully have. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm pretty much right behind Patrick on this one with the charity aspect. I am too. Like again, don't, like, don't get me wrong. If they attach like a charity to the All Star game, that's great. Anytime a charity can get more money and more exposure, especially through a giant league like Major League Baseball, that's great. It just seems like sometimes major corporations are donating to charity for the wrong reasons. They're doing it for their own selfish reasons to be like, hey, look how look how giving we are. Mm-hmm. And while, yes, their intentions are good, it just seems like they're, I don't know, it's just a pet peeve of mine. Yeah, I, see a lot no, of ra- I see a lot of radio stations yeah, we do see that. A lot of that so here. that's the only reason why I'm like, okay, that's careful, because experience. radio stations, uh, for those of you who don't know, they're greasy like that, some of them, and they just do the charity thing just for like, oh, this is going to make us look great. Yeah, You got to give to charity just because you want to give to charity because you want to be a good person, not because you're going to get something in yeah, return. I think so. in the end we have to just be happy that at least the charity's getting something exactly. out of I it. think that's yeah, I think that's what that's we should the, do. The BL end all is that the charity is still benefiting no matter yeah. what the intentions of the the giver are. We're going to get to yep. uh the snubs of the All-Star game coming up here, but uh let's break things up a bit because you know, it's all about variety here on Bat Flips and Maple Dips. We go from one thing to another thing, back to the other thing. Keep you on your toes. Oof. Uh sorry not sorry because uh we have a few people to say sorry to as we do every week because we really go after some guy's character on this podcast, and we have to apologize for it. Uh, the bullpen, except for Tyler Clippard, best sorry not sorry of all time. I don't want to say sorry to Tyler Clippard because we won't, because he doesn't deserve one. <laughs> but uh, the rest of the bullpen here, Patrick, uh, I'll let you apologize to them. Yeah, listen, dear bullpen, um, you guys were 
actually pretty good this past week. And uh, the only reason we didn't have a dog shit record after this week was because you guys actually were able to out and clean up the filthy mess that Marcus Stroman and Jay Happ left behind. Uh, while we may not have won those games, uh, you know, you made it worth tuning in for, or at least, you know, not walking away or ripping up our ticket and walking out the front door. So um, everybody except for Tyler Clippard, I'm sorry. Uh, Tyler Clippard, you, you suck. Stop pitching. Well, well keep pitching in the minors. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, or, or for our competitors. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I want to – I'm not going to say sorry to somebody, but I want to give props to uh, Sangwon Oh. Um, since June 7th, he's made 15 appearances, and he's only given up two earned runs over those 15 appearances, and mm-hmm. they've both been – uh, a couple of one-run games, so I, I, I want to give him some props, and I'm not sorry to him because he's been really freaking good. So no, you're sorry for not noticing earlier. Oh well, I mean, it gets lost in the shuffle of everybody else. But I mean, you're just trying anything to not say sorry here. Well, I just want to talk about Ryan Baraki for a minute. Too. Yeah, we'll uh, get to Baraki. Uh, first of all, we have to say uh, not sorry to Russell Martin for the third consecutive week. Uh, he uh, impressive streak. Uh, to be on the not sorry uh, side of things for three weeks in a row, it's impressively yeah. bad. I'm almost kind of rooting for Russell Martin to do um worse, just to keep see how bad truly he can go. <laughs> He's certainly like, trying. Yeah, let's like, let's see. Say that. Let's see how often he can make it on the segments. Uh, so yeah, Russell Martin, not sorry to you. Yeah, if not for him walking a ton, he would be. DFA'd by now. Yeah, Kendris Morales, Justin Smoke, we got to apologize to them this week because yeah. uh, uh, both of them showing off their power, both of them showing off their uh, ability to uh, hit when runners are in scoring position. It would be awesome if they did that all the time, but whatever. So sorry to those two. Uh, from me, um, now we'll go into another uh, not sorry. Well, is this a not sorry or is it just... Uh, it's more just like acknowledgement at this point. Yeah, uh, oh. Ryan, Ryan Barucki, uh, you go first here, Patrick. Uh, Ryan Barucki, man, you're doing some good shit out there. He's 20 <laughs> innings into his career, and uh, what do we say his ERA was? It's like 2.3 something or 2.26. Yeah, it's, it's down there, yeah. I'm not worried about that. I know the point. ERA isn't the be all and end all, and you can skewer me for that later. <laughs> but I mean, the whole thing is this guy is someone we did not expect to come up. Uh, did not expect to pitch really well, and he has. So obviously, uh, our opinions are worthless because <laughs> clearly somebody in that farm system knows what they're talking <laughs> about when they bring up Barucky instead of Sean Reed Foley. So, Ryan Barucky, you are Bay. Uh, you're also Goat, and we <laughs> love you here at Batflips and Maple Dips. <laughs> Yeah. I, I thought that we wouldn't have a solid pitching prospect to like Orion Baraki this year because, yeah. let's face it, our pitching is a little thin in our farm system. We make up for it with our bats. Yeah. But um, he has definitely been a nice surprise this year because it looks like we do have a legit pitching prospect in our system. And we've always kind of had that one guy, you know, like, uh, oh, Kyle Drabeck, he's kind of coming up, you know, even though that didn't work out. And Syndergaard, you know, we always had that one guy. It just seemed the Jays for the past yeah. couple of years didn't have that one kind of guy. There's definitely a few down there now, yeah. though. I mean, we, we get lost in the shuffle of, of the Vladdies and the Bobachettes mm-hmm. and the Guriels of the world. Uh, but if you look a little bit further down on our top prospects list, there are there's probably almost as many pitchers on our top 30 as mm-hmm. there are batters. They might be in, in the the middle of the pack sort of thing in terms of prospect rankings but they're there and pitchers are notoriously later developers true because pitching is a lot harder of a thing to learn than hitting Mm -hmm. in terms of just 
the chest match you're playing every time you go up uh, against every batter uh and just the stamina it takes too so i mean yeah but i, I was i was fully against baraki coming up well not I, not against it but i would have preferred reed fully but mm -hmm. i mean baraki's given us three quality starts and he's faced houston and the yankees so far and he'll see boston in this four gamer and again boston against left-handed pitching looking forward to seeing if that narrative continues mm -hmm. to play true because baraki could be in for another solid start i was all about um i think it was 2003 maybe even earlier or later than that when we had mcgowan and romero oh, in double a and triple a at the same time and yeah. everyone was like oh these two are going to be like our bash brothers for the next 10 years <laughs> in, in our starting rotation Oof. and it didn't work out still playing ricky well mcgowan for a while was chucking absolute gas and it was awesome yeah. and then yeah, as tommy john kind of took over bad. again ricky romero does anyone know what happened to Ricky Romero? Or it's all like, in his, it was all in his head. It was I think. all in his it head. I think too. But he's still getting paid, so I, I mean, know. good for him. God, I loved Ricky Romero. Oh, he was so that changeup was fucking filthy. <laughs> um, let's talk about uh, the All Star Game again, yeah, shall let's we? Do it. Again, keeping you on your toes, back and forth, back and forth. <laughs> um, the All Star Game starting lineup. Uh, when you look at the American League, does any name jump out at you as? That guy doesn't belong to be there. Jose Abreu. Okay. Um, first base. Uh, I don't. I don't get that pick. I mean, he, he's not having a great year, and he's playing on a bad team. Um, I think Matt Olson from the A's should have been there mm -hmm. at first base. I know Patrick is highlighting Wilson Ramos of the Rays right now. I was I, about to do that too. I'm gonna I'm gonna shut you guys down because Wilson Ramos is having the best season of any American League catcher, um, by quite a bit actually. So really, yeah, he's the highest uh, wins above replacement by an American League catcher this season, and it's not even really that close. Um, and and he's just been a little bit. Pro he's been more productive. He's playing every day for Tampa Bay essentially. Um, so that's that's definitely why he gets my pick. There are a couple of other guys. I know Houston has a couple of good catchers, but they kind of platoon. That's what um, I was going to say. Evan Gaddis is, is in that there. the reason Evan Gaddis didn't make it? Because yeah, for me, he plays first base and catcher and DH too. And DH, but so I he mean, kinda, he's he, not a pure catcher anymore. He has played a bunch of games at catcher this yeah. year. Not enough, but I don't think I think they kind of make sure like, it has to be the player's like kind of primary position i think that's horseshit because evan gaddis is a way better catcher than wilson ramos i don't think he's a better catcher he might be a better batter well just a baseball player not maybe not catcher but like as, yeah. as a base, he is more of an all-star than wilson ramos but i i think at the same time wilson ramos is doing wonders with that young tampa bay pitching staff i mean we're going to talk about blake snell's snub in a moment but he's also catching chris archer very well who's having another good season and also nathan uvaldi's come back off the dl um, after missing all of last season, and mm -hmm. he's looked really good. He's taken a couple of no-hitters into the seventh inning in, I think, five starts now. Mm -hmm. So I, I think Wilson Ramos is definitely – I am gonna. I, I would defend him to the grave at this point for this season. I don't want to defend any Tampa Bay Ray ever. <laughs> hey, <laughs> there's some good Tampa Bay Rays players that I want on my team. I just can't stand them. <laughs> Stupid. I just want them to move to Montreal. <laughs> I just, I just want them gone, so we never have to watch. They, uh, they released again. some new re artist renderings of what their potential new stadium could look like. Yeah, it looks pretty cool. That's good. It's probably not going to happen though, because it's Tampa Bay. Yeah, and they're going to move. Exactly. Um, <laughs> Kay Patrick, what about you? Uh, do you want to keep going the Wilson Ramos train? Anyone on the AL team, or do you want to move to the NL? Uh, I mean, what about uh, guys like? Uh, like Salvador Perez, who no, no, get him out of here. He's not good. No, just just hear me out for a second, man. Um, 
Salvador Perez and Martin Maldonado are number one, uh, number one and number two in caught stealing percentage. Aren't catchers supposed to be going out there stopping guys from stealing bases? Mm-hmm. Doesn't that make one of these guys an all star in some capacity? Mm-hmm. They might not be out there mashing. No, but, but also look, you know, look at Kansas City's record though. Is Salvador Perez really making them a better team? Is he is he helping their pitching? Because their pitching sucks. No, but as far as being a catcher who is really good at being a catcher. If we're grading catchers on just their caught stealing percentage, then yeah, he should be there, but we're definitely... It's not just that. I just mean like <laughs> as a fielder, he's also yeah. like elite level. I mean, his bat is terrible, so I understand why I, he's not Wilson at Ramos the is the most game. well-rounded catcher in the American League at this point. I think that's why he's here at the All-Star game. Well-rounded isn't All-Star, though. When you think All-Star, you think of guys like Buster Posey. You think yeah, of guys like you Pudge Rodriguez. A... You just think of guys who could mash and are just like, you know, All-Star level. You just yeah, don't think the of on, Wilson the on, Ramos. But the, so only, the only thing that Salvador Perez is doing while this year is defending. Yeah, I know. I'm, one... I'm, not, I'm not saying Salvador yeah, Perez does, should be there. Does one category make you an All-Star? I don't think so. I, I, I think Wilson Ramos gets the benefit of the doubt here because he's doing – a lot of things reasonably well. Uh, I think that kind of on a, on a on a middling team like Tampa Bay, I think that kind of gives. Uh, That's what we're aiming for now. Edge. Hey, all stars just need to do reasonably well. That's, we're setting the bar low. That's all it takes at the American League catcher position. I don't like that. We don't have okay, any but good, let's say we don't have any let's say Justin, we had a batter who hit 30 home runs for the All Star break, but otherwise was batting 220. Are you saying Are you that you they shouldn't go Harper to the All Star right game because of one stat? <laughs> it sounds like you're talking about Bryce Harper. <laughs> He's got. I am talking about Bryce Harper. See, That's my uh, transition. Uh, and I don't, and I don't think Bryce Harper should be in the starting lineup. I think Bryce Harper's still an All Star. Because of his his batting average might be low, but he's getting on base. Like he's walking more than he's ever walked in his career, um, and he's actually producing a lot of runs um, because of that. He's getting on base. His OPS is still pretty high considering his batting average is two sixteen, and his power numbers outside of the home runs are actually pretty low. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think Bryce Harper should be a starter in this fan vote, and that's. He's in there because he's a, he's a fan favorite and he's a he's a great ball player. I mean, don't get me wrong, he's he's not going to hit 216 the rest of his career. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, I, I definitely think that like that one good category like we're just talking about. I, I don't think he should be a starter. I still think Bryce Harper is a very good outfielder and a very good batter who probably deserves to be in the All Star game as a reserve. Well, let's talk about the National League a bit more here. Uh, outside of Bryce Harper, Nick Markakis, shout out to him for making the All-Star game. Man, that dude's having a huge year. Yeah, it's been his like 13th <laughs> awesome. or 14th season yeah. as like an everyday player. Like Markakis is one of those just consistent, so underrated. I remember him in Baltimore just he kicking the Jays' us. ass. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Matt Kemp having his renaissance here. He's playing mm-hmm. really, really well. Uh, the infield, you could basically predict it, obviously. Yeah. Uh, Contreras, Freeman, Baez, Arenado, Crawford. That wasn't a shock to me, but... He's having a great year. Like, you couldn't leave him off the list. There yeah. are some other good shortstops, but yeah, I think I think they got there. it right there. Uh, any anyone on the National League other than Harper that kind of jumps out at you here? Um, Kyle Schwarber, second in wins above replacement in the National League, is not on the starting lineup, the reserves, or the final vote list. He's having a monster year for the Cubs, mm-hmm. and he's he's nowhere to be found. So I think that's a that's a pretty big snub. On the National League, Lorenzo Kane isn't on there either, who is leading the National League in in war. I believe he might be hurt right now, but at least 
giving him the acknowledgement of being like, yeah, you're having a great year. We'll put you on the reserves list, but we'll replace you in the end. Just to get, kind of give him like the, yeah, we, we see you. Oh, he is on there now, I guess. That he's been added today. Um, so, I mean, good for him. Don't, I, you, guys, yeah, don't you guys think that Ozzy Albies should be starting see, in the National League? Is Ozzy, Ozzy the second baseman, correct? Yeah. Yeah, like I know he he is leading the the NL second baseman in in war right now. I think Javi Baez got that starting job because of he's a little bit more established in the big leagues. And obviously, that Chicago fan base will vote in. They also voted in Contreras at catcher, who does deserve to be there. Um, oh, it deserves, doesn't deserve to start because JT Real Muto in Miami is having a good year. But back to your point, Patrick. Yeah, I could see I could see a toss up between uh Ozzy and and ha- and Javi Baez at second base. I mean that that's probably I think that vote was probably pretty close as it should have been. Albies is going to win rookie of the year. Um without a doubt in of my mind. I would love to see him start. I'd be, it, imagine being a rookie and starting in an All-Star game in your first season. That's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um so I I won't I'm not going to I'm not going to say that he shouldn't be starting, but I can definitely see why Javi Baez is. He's a good player too. They're, I think they're pretty close in terms of their um, their stats as well. Okay, let's talk about the snubs here, gentlemen, because uh, I'm just going to read what Chris Archer had to say on uh, Twitter here. Yeah, please do. Uh, someone tell me why <laughs> Blake Snell isn't unanimously on the AL All-Star team. He ranks uh, in the AL uh, 2.09 ERA first, 12 wins, tied for second, a uh, 183 opponent average, tied for third, 14 quality starts. Man, that's a lot of quality starts. Holy yeah. shit. Uh, tied for third. Uh, I know how, because we as players, the ones who vote for the pitchers, didn't do our due diligence. We have to collectively take the time and effort to responsibly fill out our ballots. It's totally on us, and I'm calling out everyone who didn't take the energy to determine who is the most deserving to represent our game in the Midsummer Classic. This stuff matters. Let's be better. A nice David Price line right there. Uh, Blake <laughs> Snell is an all-star, not an alternate replacement or backup uh, no one disagrees with him, so we're obviously not even going to ask that question. Um, how big of a snub is Blake Snell? Like, is it the Huge. all-time no. snub <laughs> in All-Star Game history? I know Pedro no. was snubbed. <sighs> I think, oh, I forget what year that was, but when Pedro was snubbed that one year, it was like, really? He had like two losses or something like that? Um, how bad of a snub is this? Yeah. And is Archer, like, is Archer right? Is it on the players? It is. Yes. Because, I mean, even the fans aren't going to vote in Blake Snell because he's not a household name. And I understand that. I'm not going to say that the fans should have voted him in. Um, but the players do have a responsibility to ensure that the most deserving players are there. Uh, Patrick and I were talking a little bit about this before we started recording. Um, that there are there are quite a – I think there's four, four or five relief pitchers on the American League All-Star roster who were chosen by the players – um, and it kind of blows me away that they would choose um, relief pitchers. Well, it's closers. There are some closers having great years, but I would choose Blake Snell in a heartbeat over any of those closers yeah. for the All-Star game. Uh, this guy is out there obviously pitching at least six innings in a lot of his starts because to get those quality starts. And, and they're giving All-Star spots to guys who come in and throw heaters for three outs. Yeah. That kind of bothers me. Yeah, me too. And I definitely see. I I totally love that he called out the players. Mm-hmm. That's that's awesome. <laughs> uh, what him. what do you think about that, Patrick? I don't know Blake Snell and maybe a couple other players that you think uh, should have made the team. 
we were also talking about how James Paxton should yeah. be at this game. I, I think it's undisputed that Blake Snell uh, should be at this game, and really, uh, I'd be completely comfortable with him starting the All-Star game for the American League, but uh, for whatever reason, uh, the players dissed him, and Chris <laughs> Archer is absolutely right about it. Uh, the players need to step up and be better. Uh, but James Paxton as well, if you look at his numbers, uh, he's having a great season. He's already 8-3. and three. I know wins aren't everything, but his FIP right now is 2.80, which is Lucky considered elite by the standards of FIP, as we learned from Professor Anderson <laughs> last week. So um, Justin can talk a little bit more about Paxton's stats for the year, but yeah. he's having just a tremendous season, and he's been actually really good uh, for the last three years or so, and he hasn't really gotten the credit he deserves because he plays in a market like Seattle uh, where people usually go to Seattle Mariner games to s- watch the Blue Jays or whoever the Mariners are playing rather than the actual Mariners themselves. Yeah, I know, uh, and, and we also can throw in there that he has a no-hitter this season against the Jays. Very true. Um, That's right. And he's he's been... He's been so good. I mean, and he's been doing it for a couple of years now. Three years, really, he's had uh, great seasons. I mean, last year, he was he went 12-5. and five. Yeah, wins, losses, we can talk about that uh, all we want. But he's he's struck out more than 10 batters per nine. He's struck out more than 11 per nine this season. He's walking less than three. He barely gives up a home run per nine innings. He's getting about 40% ground balls on average throughout his career. Um but his his FIP the last three seasons has never been higher than it is right now. It's actually right now is two ninety two is actually his highest point. Last year was two sixty one, um, and his he's already at a three point two WAR this season, and last year he finished at a four point six. I mean he's on he's on pace to shatter that number. Um, so I mean James Paxton, yeah, and like and like we just talked about with the relief pitchers. I mean he's probably more deserving than than one or two of them. Um, and even some of the starters that are that are there. I mean, Jose Barrios is having a great year for the Twins, but he was chosen by the commissioner's office to fill that one twin spot that's mandatory. Yay. Um, but, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's tough to say that. Either. Like, the, the starting pitchers who are on the AL list that were chosen by the players, they're all worthy of being there. Like, Corey Kluber, Chris Sale, Luis Severino, and Garrett Cole were chosen by the players to go. That's the thing. Like you I can't, can't pick any of those guys to not be there. It's not. It would be it's unjust. Not a, it's not a fact that James Patchum was snubbed. It's the fact that there are the just a ton deep. of other good yeah. pitchers in the AL. So James Paxton, any other year, makes the AL All Star team. Mm-hmm. But if you look at those pitchers, like all of them that you just uh, listed off there, they're all having amazing years. Yeah. And James Paxton, Paxton. He's having just below an amazing year. Like again, the perfect game—that's awesome. But like his yeah. stats just aren't at that, you know, Severino level yet. Um, It's—he should be in the All-Star game, I think. Like just throw him in the bullpen, you know, take out one of those closers. I agree. But it's just that doesn't how it work, or it doesn't work that way. Nice grammar, nice grammar, Clayton. Good one. <laughs> yeah. Talk for a fucking living too. Um, <laughs> let's go to NL here. Who do you think is the bigger snub, Brandon Belts or Trey Turner? Patrick. Oh, that's tough. Um, uh, I don't know, Justin. What do you think? I'm gonna pass. Good answer. Good um, answer. There we go. Good answer. I'm gonna go here with I think Trey Turner for me. Yeah, me too. Um, just looking at that National League 
a shortstop spot. Brennan Crawford's having a great season for the Giants. Uh, I, I, I think Brennan Crawford's been great for a long time now. But Trey Turner is having a great year for Washington. He's picked up a lot of a lot of slack there. I mean, they, they've had some trouble with that shortstop position in the last few years, and it's kind of been a, a weaker area for them. And he's come in and just kind of taken the league by storm this year, especially. Uh, he's fast, steals some bags, and he can hit. And he can obviously field. He plays shortstop. So, mm-hmm. I mean, he's kind of the definition of one of those all-around players. And shortstops are the most athletic player on the on the ball field. Yeah. Always. Um, even if they're playing on a crappy team, a shortstop is going to be the, one of the better athletes there for sure. So, I mean, Trey Turner not being in the starting lineup – sucks big time um and surprise surprise he's not even on the reserves so he has to hope the final vote gets him in but he's also up against brandon belt and then jesus aguilar for the brewers who is mashing home runs like crazy right now and then he's also got max muncie from the dodgers who's having a hell of a season and he plays infield and outfield he's one of those super utility guys who kind of plays all over the dodgers always get those guys that just sneak up on them and, and then matt carpenter's in there too all-stars. like the dodgers farm system it's... they don't have those sexy prospects <laughs> but they have one every year yeah. where you're just like who the well, fuck is this guy and where did he come from everyone's like, always talking about too it's like oh the dodgers sold the farm this year yeah. and then all of a sudden it's just like this max muncie guy comes out of nowhere and and it's just like just, really they have these guys who are just kind of they fly under the radar they trade away their big names that everybody thinks of these big, sexy prospects. And mm-hmm. then this guy comes up and just kind of terrorizes everybody. And also Matt Carpenter's in that final vote for the NL as well from the right. cards. So, I mean, I've got a question for you guys. There. Sorry, I didn't mean yeah. to cut you off no, there. Go, go for it. Okay. So it kind of seems to me like now in 2018, uh, stolen bases in general aren't really mm-hmm. – as positively regarded as they used to be like you can remember that way back this is like before any of our time but like ricky henderson was considered a god on the diamond was and he wasn't he wasn't exactly like the greatest hitter or even the most consistent but he had wheels for days and he couldn't be stopped on the base path and i feel like that is sort of not as sexiest stat now as as others like i mean i feel like it's always been said like uh to quote that crappy atlanta braves commercial chicks dig the long ball yeah and 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 like brandon belt is more likely to get in over trey turner which isn't really fair because turner has had a great season and he's already stolen 22 bases but that's not as impressive as brandon belt you know batting 306 and you know, having, you yeah. know, X number of home runs and RBIs, yada, yada, yada. So, like, what do you, how do you guys feel about trying to weigh up, weigh in, like, a player who's known for contact and speed as opposed to a player who can mash home runs? Who would you rather see at an all-star game? When, when I think of all-star, I think of a five-facet player. Like, I think Mike of Trout. a Mike Trout. <laughs> like, that is an obvious pick for an all-star. A guy who can do all five things. Yeah. Uh, it kind of brings us back to the Wilson Ramos thing. Uh, yes, Wilson Ramos is kind of, you know, medium at all five aspects of the game. That's why I just don't think he's an all-star because yeah. he's just so vanilla. If you have two guys who are virtually the same kind of player, 
and you know they're not really power hitters they hit for contact their defense is great so they might have a lot of rbis uh, they're on base is really really good uh you got to start looking at those things like stolen bases you got to look at those things like uh runners in scoring position what's their average you know you got to start looking at those little things that's what makes baseball great you know there are so many stats so you can kind of decipher you know how right. valuable a player is that's why i think stolen bases in the all-star game scheme of things maybe not because again, it's kind of it's it's a less sexy stat. Stolen bases, okay. I mean, if, if stolen bases made all stars, Rajay Davis would might, might have the <laughs> fucking record for most all star appearances. Yeah. But um, I think that um, in a valuable aspect, like a baseball perspective, a uh, player you want in your team, you definitely want someone who can steal bases. From an all star perspective, I don't think that's like a, a sexy all star stat. People again, people love seeing home runs. Chicks did the long ball. People love seeing great defensive plays, and they love guys who can throw gas. Yeah. And those are the three things that you want to see in the All-Star game. And Major League Baseball wants the best of the best for their All-Star game. They want people to watch. So you're going to put people, you're going to put guys on the All-Star team that do things that make people watch. So based on that, do do we think that every team should have a player at the All-Star game regardless of how the talent level is? Like should J-Hap actually be there for the Blue Jays? Uh, J-Hap should be there this year cuz he's having not a bad year again. Snell deserves it more. Yeah. But I like the Mercy player from every team. You do? Because yeah. it, 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 it gives, it gives a fan about, base. It, and it gives you something about. to watch for. You know, it's like, yeah. okay, at least we got one guy in there. From from the pure, the p- baseball purist in me of having just the best players there, mm-hmm. I hate it. But I, see, I know why they do it. And yeah, like you say, it's because it, it keeps that team's fans at least somewhat interested in that game. Yeah. Because if the Blue Jays have no players in that, in that, Thing. I mean, I'm watching the home run derby. I'm not going to watch the all-star game. Yeah. I want to see Jay Happy go against some of these good hitters. Yeah. Here's a question for you guys. Uh, let's pretend the Jays have three all-stars in next year's all-star game. Yeah. Who do you think would be those three all-stars? Can I give Vladdy Jr. all three spots? <laughs> you, uh, you can give Vladdy. Yeah, yeah, let, let's just say, like, if there, if there are three Blue Jays that are going to make the all-star team next year, who are they going to be? Patrick, you go first. Uh, I think number one is going to be Aaron Sanchez. I think he mm. will have a tremendous comeback year next year. He's going to be able to start fresh, um, hopefully with a brand-new pitching coach, someone who can kind of help him with his location, uh, get his stuff working again. Uh, so definitely number one to Sanchez. Number two, I think we see Smoke Daddy back, and uh, I think he'll be you know, back at the game where he belongs. And number three, I'm going to roll the dice and say that uh, Guriel is going to have a breakout season next year after he's seen all these uh, elite pitchers for the first time. Got it. Justin? Well, we're going to fan vote in Vladdy Jr. next season. Yeah. That's going to be a thing. (laughs) So he's going to be there. I I love the Aaron Sanchez pick. I'm going to say Marcus Stroman, though. Um. Because I think that the Stro Show, he's he's that big player on a big stage. He'd he'd do really well in an All Star game. Like we've seen him at the World Baseball Classic, kind of on that world stage, um, with the little shimmy and the little wink from Jose Bautista, and they struck mm-hmm. him out like that kind of thing. He was the MVP of that thing. Um, so I like to see Stro at the All Star game. He's another guy that if he starts having a good first half, he'd be another good fan vote candidate that the Jays fans would get behind because we we do like the guy in the end even if we do follow him on social media <laughs> and see all of his stuff. <laughs> and then also, oh, boy. Um, geez. It's tough to pick somebody else off of this year's roster. But, yeah, like if it's going to be anyone, it's going to be Sanchez or Smokey. Yeah. I'll go with Smoke again, too, because I think that he's he's got the potential to 
if if he has that bat of Vladdy in the lineup around him like, to give him some insulation, he'll be able to break out with another season like we saw in 2017. So I'll go with Smokey, um, Stroh, and Vladdy Jr. I'm going off the board here. I'm going uh, Ryan Barucki. I think he's going to be an all-star yeah. next year. Um, because mainly because Strowman and Sanchez, I don't see them having bounce back years next year. Fingers crossed it happens, but I don't yeah. see it happening. <laughs> uh, I think Guriel's going to be an all-star next year. Either Guriel or Grichik, whoever plays more. I just dropped my wallet, sorry. <laughs> and um, honestly, I know everyone's talking about Vlad, but I think Bo Bichette has potential to be the rookie um, breakout guy next year. Because, again, Bo Bichette can steal bases, and that's why I think he might break into the lineup with the Jays. He can steal bases. Uh, I just think that... Everyone's talking about Vladdy, rightfully so, and I think Bo Bichette likes that because he has no attention. Like, yeah. not no attention on him right now, but he's definitely the uh, lesser prospect to Vladdy, and I think he likes that. My thing with Bo is I think we're going to see him start in AAA next season. Depends a, how well he yeah. does when he gets yeah. called up this year. He's only batting two sixty seven in, in the Eastern League in That's AA true. right now. Um, he he's been okay. He's kind of been he he has some hot streaks, and then he cools off for a while. Mm-hmm. So we kind of need to see a little bit more consistency from him. So I think that's he'll he'll join Vladdy and because Vladdy got announced he'll be in AAA when he comes back from his injury yeah. today. They announced that. So and, and Bo is going to join him at some point, maybe in August if he's not there by the end of July. Um, he's going to have to show a little bit more prowess at the bat, I think, in in AA before they move him up. Yeah, and I mean we do. Now that Guriel is up with the Jays, they do need a middle infielder in Buffalo, so we might see Guriel go up there just because, or sorry, Bichette go up there just because of a need, and also because I mean they'll keep him and Vlad together, and that's kind of what they're they're kind of doing is with these two two super prospects. Yeah, and then we'll get to see um, Guerrero, Bichette, and Anthony Alford, our top three prospects, all in the same lineup, which is pretty cool mm-hmm. in in Buffalo. Uh, yep. Let's talk about some more prospects here. Um... Patrick will get last say with the trade rumors and signings. Uh, Justin, let's talk about this uh, Orelvis Martinez. Yeah. Uh, the 17-year-old shortstop we got out of the uh, Dominican Republic. Mm-hmm. He got a $3.5 million signing bonus. So we're obviously paying him a lot of money. We're investing a lot in him. Is it yeah. worth it? Like, what's so this guy about? So with these international prospect signings, every team has an allocation of money they can spend every year. I believe we spent about three-quarters of our yearly budget on him. He was... He's numbers. He was number seven on MLB.com's top thirty international prospects list. He's a shortstop from the Dominican Republic. He, MLB Pipeline had him on number four. Um, people kind of think he could shift to third base. He's a bit of a bigger kid, kind of like a Vladdy. He's thick, mm-hmm. which we like. <laughs> um, <laughs> he's got a really strong arm, but below average speed. So that that kind of hinders the the speed thing. Kind of is a no-brainer for me at third base because, I mean, we, we need shortstops to be fast. He hits right-handed, and he's got ability to drive the ball from his pull side all the way to the right center field power alley. They said that he's hit some monster home runs in the Dominican Summer League to over the right field fence. So that's always positive when you have a kid who can hit opposite field power at 17. Um, he's going to be one of those guys. Obviously, he's only 17 right now, so he's he's far, far away in the future, probably 2021, 2022 at least, and based on the the shortstop talent that we already have in our organization with Groshans, who we drafted this season, Logan Warmoth, Bo Bichette, Lourdes Gurriel, like the list goes on of the shortstops that we have in our organization right now. I mean, and if this kid develops, yeah, like five years from now, we might be in a different spot, and we might need somebody like him, and he might be ready by then. Yeah. So I, I like I like the signing a lot. Um, the Jays need to grab somebody in that top 10 this year. 
um, you want to try and get at least one guy in that top 10 every year. And the Jays have been able to do that for a while now. Um, and I think these international prospects kind of like us. We have uh, Eric Padermo, who's a, a Brazilian pitcher um, right now. He's a smaller guy, kind of like a Stroman, who's pitching reasonably well with uh, Dunedin. I don't know, sorry, with Lansing. Um, I think he's at Lansing. But he's doing very well as well, and he was another one of our international prospect signings last season. So we've, we've, we've got a good track record lately, so I, I like just this signing. It's so tough to – he's 17. We, yeah, we, we can't judge anything. Like Obviously, I've never seen any video of the kid because he's, he's in the Dominicans. There's mm-hmm. not a ton of video that's available to find. Uh, once he gets to – I'm assuming he's probably going to stay in the Dominican this year because he's probably still in high school. If he's in school, mm-hmm. I'm not sure what he's what's going on in the Dominican. But once he gets to probably the Bluefield Blue Jays or Lansing, um, maybe even the Vancouver Canadians, if he goes to rookie ball, we'll be able to get, at least see some highlights and get some exposure to him on the North American side of things. And then we'll be able to judge him a little bit more at this time next year. I just think some baseball guys and college football guys, they get too excited about young guys. Yeah. Like we, we college football guys like, oh, this 13-year-old is really good in grade eight. Yeah. Like, you can't judge a kid. <laughs> I, you just can't judge a kid like when they're LeBron, 17. I think LeBron James's kids already committed to yeah. university or something. Like, he's like 15. I just think you can't get too excited about a 17-year-old kid, no matter you know how oh, much man. hype it is behind him. The smoke daddy just hit a home run. We're nice. up one nothing against Good. Atlanta in the third. Um, Patrick, yes. Patrick uh, one more time here. or You get uh, last word here. You'll get trade rumors and signings. Uh, talk about Jay Happ. Uh, if you think he's going to get traded before the All-Star break or after it. Um, also, any other people do you see the Jays moving that no one else has really been talking about? Like some off-the-board kind of off-the-board options for the Jays? Uh, well, there are two separate and very good questions. I don't think that the start against the Yankees is going to impact Jay Happ's value. He's still a lefty who has been pitching really well this season. Um, if anything, the Yankees got a chance to see what it takes to, to knock him around the ballpark. I don't think that one start necessarily destroys a player's value. It's more, more of like a gradual decline over the season. Like someone like, uh, Josh Donaldson, who's seen his value decline steadily throughout the year because of poor performance or injuries. Uh, but if anything, the big start for Hap is going to be the one against Boston. Uh, if he can go out there and perform uh, very well against that Red Sox uh, team, that is going to uh, help his trade value a lot more than the Yankees start uh, hurt it. As for like off-the-board picks as far as who he might trade, I've been thinking a little bit about this lately, and we have such a, a heavy stockpile of middle infielders in our prospect pool it might be time for us to kind of consider flipping one for you know a top pitching prospect in a different pool uh, and maybe trying to add a little bit of pitching depth to our our minor league system i do think that in the long term somebody like Orelvis martinez uh, might develop into like a functional middle infielder because he does have some versatility and, you know, bring him in, develop him for a while. Somebody at some point has to be the odd man out. We can't have Biggio, Bichette, Guerrero, Guriel all in the infield all at the same time. It just, it's, there's not enough spots, right? Yeah. So, at some point, we have to consider 
you know, at what point do these guys have maximum hype behind them where we might be able to flip them and get, you know, the next blue chip flamethrower from a team that is in desperate need of some middle infield prospects. Yeah, for me personally, so, I think the odd man out is going to be Logan Warmoth in Undunedin. He's still pretty far down the development train. Um, and, that or yeah. Richard Urania might yeah, Urania be the odd too. man out because with yeah. with Bichette and um, Biggio and Guriel, like I mean, there's just so much it's, it's going neat. on have, with it's these It's a good prospects. problem, right? <laughs> Oh, it's a great problem because it gives us the opportunity to look at a team like, say, the Pittsburgh Pirates, who are sneaky good yeah. at being able to develop pitching prospects. Right now, they've got a very young, very heavily team-controlled roster of pitchers on their MLB staff right now. And they might not do it this year, but next year and the year after, I think the Pirates are going to be... They're going to explode onto the scene, and people aren't going to see it coming because they're going to underestimate just how good the pitching depth is in Pittsburgh. But that would be an opportunity to say, like, okay, which guy do we think is going to be our starting shortstop for the next X number of years? Is it going to be, you know, Guriel or is it going to be Bichette? Okay, yeah. and if it's Bichette, that's fine. That means Guriel is going to have to shift over to either second or third. And if Vladimir Guerrero is going to be our starting third baseman, uh, you know, that knocks off third base for him. And if he's going to be our second baseman, something's got to happen to Devin Travis or something has to happen to Kavon Biggio because they can't, three guys can't start at second. Yeah. So something's got to give at some point. No, it's, it's, it's interesting to have this kind of, um, problem when you're a team who's having a, a crappy year but at least it gives us something to to keep talking about every week and, mm-hmm. and to look forward to. <laughs> I mean it, spring training these next couple of years is going to be really fun to watch these young kids compete for opening day roster spots and they still have to get past the Anjeva Salarte or the Alemis Diaz who are major league players but aren't going to be as good as these kids are going to be in the long run. So I mean Ideally, we see the three young kids in Bichette, Guerrero, and um, uh, Guriel on the middle infield and third base next season and with Solarte just as a super utility guy. And then that, man, with, with, with Smoke, if we still have him at first base, that's a pretty solid infield core of guys who can play decent defense and also swing the bat. So, I mean, the, the future is, is certainly very bright for us. And having those pieces below them in the minor leagues to move to bring in, whether it be outfielders that we may need or pitching, um, or maybe a catcher to back up Danny Jansen. <laughs> it's, I have it's, a question for you, awesome. Clayton. Yeah. Um, just so you can jump into the fray. Yeah, no, you so guys keep a... going. You've been talking about for 15 damn minutes in a row. I haven't even included me once. <laughs> I, just right, sit, so I sit here and ask you guys questions all day long. Do you guys ever ask me questions? No. <laughs> we'll call this segment Clayton's Corner then. Uh, so, Clayton, the question to you already. is, here's the scenario I'm setting up, okay? Jake, Jacob deGrom is definitely on the trading block. He probably doesn't want to be on the Mets anymore. Um, they're clearly going to need to do some sort of severe rebuild. Uh, who knows how long Cindergaard is uh, in New York as well. At some point, they're going to have to just kind of do a reset uh, with the Mets. If Jacob deGrom is available and they say, Hey, Toronto, what's up, girl? What you saying? <laughs> 
and they look at our farm system, who would you be willing to give up to get Jacob deGrom? How many of uh, our prospects, and who's untouchable? How old is Jacob deGrom again? He's in his 20s. De- what's his, what's, his, con- uh, what's his contract like again? It's entry level. It'd still be arbitration. Okay, so we're going to have to pay him a lot of money down the road. Yeah. But I mean, he, he's Jacob Degrom. Yeah, yeah, he's that's the thing. He's a good pitcher, and we get we get first elite. dibs. I would probably give up Biggio. I would probably give up the guy that we picked first overall this year, and Groshans. Yeah, I would probably give up those two prospects. I would give up another pitching prospect because they're gonna probably want one back. Yeah, maybe Reed Foley. That's I think it would have to be Reed Foley, and then another kind of wild card pitching or fielder stat that we don't really know mm-hmm. but it's going to take three good prospects to I get to grom right, and another good player so i i would definitely give up bgo and the guy we picked first overall this year i keep forgetting his name jordan groshans yeah groshans and i would give up uh reed foley i would definitely do that for jacob de grom at this point but it I'm would be nice you. it would be nice if if we know we can get him to a deal if yeah. we can get the trade beforehand and we have it structured as, hey, we're going to trade for you, Jacob DeGrom. Also, we're going we're gonna to talk about your contract, and we're going to get you on the team. Because we can't give those prospects up for a guy like that just for half a year when we're we not in it. With it. That'd be stupid. Dickey, right? we yeah, so, so we would need it. <laughs> we would need to know that we are in the DeGrom sweepstakes for the long haul. Right. And we would need to know that, hey, we have a very good chance. And by good chance, I mean like 95% chance that we're going to sign Jacob DeGrom long term. Because we're not going to give up three awesome prospects for a chance at signing him maybe. Yeah. But you, you definitely got to have that security of, hey, we may, we need to make sure that we need to get this guy locked up. And if we can, and he's like, yeah, absolutely. And we figure out the numbers before the trade, I'd say get rid of those guys. We still we got a good enough farm system to rebound, and then we have a pitching stud. So, yeah, I'm with you 100% there. Yeah. Uh, with that, I think we should uh, wrap things up here. Uh, I get the last word. I don't know why. I'm the facilitator here, but that's okay. You earned it. Ooh, there's oh. lightning outside. Oh, nice. Yeah, I'm going to go watch uh, the storm with my buddies. We do it. Um, my old house I lived at, we have a garage. Like, yeah. right, it has, like, a perfect view of Saskatoon. You do, like, the King of the Hill thing. Oh, just down yeah, exactly. Beer, exactly. So. We sit down. We're not standing. <laughs> uh, again, make sure you uh, follow us on Facebook, facebook.com slash um, Backflips Maple Dips on Twitter, at BFMD Podcast. Look us up on SoundCloud and uh, iTunes, Google Play Music, all that jazz. Uh, episode 6, Batflips Maple Dips. It is in the books on behalf of uh, Justin Patrick. My name's Clayton. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next Tuesday. <laughs>